I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Today, the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, Russell M. Nelson, is celebrating his 97th birthday and here to share some lessons and some observations of the prophet's life is someone who's looked at it very closely over the years, Sherry Dew. She is the executive vice president and chief content officer at Deseret Management Corporation, as well as a best-selling author. And uh, her book, uh, which is a kind of a quasi-biography, I think it's the way all biographies should be done, Insights from a Prophet life, uh, Prophet's Life, Russell M. Nelson. And uh, thanks for taking some time to join us today. Thanks, Boyd. Nice to be here. So I, I went back this morning. Uh, president Nelson, of course, has uh, been president and prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for about three and a half years now. And I went back to uh, that day uh, he was introduced as the new president and prophet of the church. And I'm just going to read you a couple of headlines and have you respond to hey, these, Sherry. Uh, great. <laughs> the Wall Street Journal said uh, he is not a reformer. Uh, nothing, <laughs> basically nothing to see here. Uh, NBC uh, said this will be a status quo administration. And uh, the Washington Post uh, said this would be a caretaker administration. Oh, wow. On your mark, get set, go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, too, there was an AP story uh, that said the same thing. We can't expect much different out of uh, Russell M. Nelson. He'll be just like all of his predecessors. Wow. I uh, think anybody who's been an observer of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints during these last three and a half years would say, okay, those journalists missed the mark on that one. And honestly, I guess from the surface, you might have looked at that and said, this is a, a, a man into his 90s. Yeah. What can you really expect? But if they had looked at his life at all mm. and understood that from the time he was a very young man uh, graduating and in, with lightning speed from the University yeah. of Utah, and then going through all the steps to become not just a doctor but a surgeon and then a truly world-famous heart surgeon who helped do a lot of pioneering, you look and say, oh, my goodness, he's done pioneering all of his life. And I think externally, as we've watched from the outside, uh, the, the many, many changes that started happening in his administration from the first general conference. Yeah. If you go back to that first general conference he was president and there started to be change and then another change and then another change, uh, you would see it. I've also had the chance to watch that and to observe it personally because of various meetings that I'm in where he's present. And he's always wanting to hear your best ideas, mm -hmm. wanting a discussion, 
and wanting to talk about what could be, not necessarily what has been. Yeah, so so important and such a hallmark of his leadership. Yeah. Uh, we were talking this morning with Amanda and Tim, and uh, he's one of those people who he walks in the room. Everyone knows he's the smartest guy in the room. Uh, some people who are like that, they everyone leaves feeling a little bit dumber. Uh-huh. Uh, but he is one that everybody leaves feeling elevated and challenged and engaged uh, because he, he he never says, oh, I knew that or I've heard that or, yeah, we did that before. Uh, he wants to know. He he has li- he has a listening heart uh, that I think is most extraordinary. Yeah, he does. One of the things that is a lesson for anybody who has any kind of leadership responsibility is that if you're invited into the room for whatever meeting it is, he wants to hear what you have to say. Even if you're the the least, often I've been the least in the room, and and if you don't say anything, well, Sherry, what do you think? Mm. And it's everyone. He wants to hear from everybody, and so you see. I think that's part of the reason we feel you leave feeling elevated because you feel like you've been included, and that you've kind of been uh, respected, frankly, yeah. by being invited, and then. Invited also to offer your opinion. Yeah, to be listened to in, in an amazing way. Uh, we know just in the first two years, so if you take out the year and a half of pandemic, right. uh, which has really restricted his pace travel-wise, uh, 115,000 miles, yeah. 35 30. nations, six continents, uh, and more meetings than I think anybody could count. Yeah. Uh, the pace has been breakneck, and, and yet he is uh, looking at the future. Uh, I remember his wife, Wendy, uh, once noted that most people, as they get older, they, they're kind of looking back and reminiscing and looking uh-huh. back. And he is forever – he's become more infatuated with the future than ever before. In fact, um, I've heard him say and I've heard Sister Nelson say that when she'll, when she'll look back and say, well, remember when we did that back at the Rome Temple dedication or when we were in such and such a country? And he said, oh, let's put that in our memory bins and go forward. And I've heard him say the same thing. Well, that's in our memory bins. We're looking forward. Uh, it's it's a very interesting and compelling hallmark he has as a leader. Yeah, yeah, and that uh, that ability to uh, not just be again past or even even today. It's uh, you, you look at the change and the implementations, the modifications he's made uh, over the last three and a half years, and he's he's always looking because it's almost a personal thing for him in terms of. I have to personally continue to, to grow and improve and change, uh, and the organization has to do the same. So I'll give you a little teeny example of that, a teeny little slice from his personal life. Last night, uh, kind of later on in the evening, I got a text from Sister Nelson who said, what do you think most ni- most men turning 97 are doing on the eve of their 97th birthday? He downloaded a new piece of sheet music and, and spent time at the piano learning it. My response to her was, well, let's start with most men getting ready to turn 97 don't know how to download a piece of sheet music, let alone are saying, I want to learn a new number uh, for who knows what reason. But I think there is this insatiable or just maybe it's just um, a natural instinct on his part to keep doing new things and to keep learning new things. Mm, that's so important. And uh, before we let you go, because I know you've you've got places to go, you got promises to keep as yeah. well. Uh, and uh, as as you look back and and look at some of those memory bin items, uh, anything jump out to you? Uh, maybe a, a wow moment or a surprise moment uh, in his time as uh, president of the church. Well, it's hard to know where you'd even start on that. You can talk about the temple dedication in Rome, which we were both there, Boyd, and yeah. it was that was a remarkable experience. Was, yeah. 
I think that maybe the thing I would say, and there are so many things we could say, but we've been, we've both been in places in Brazil where the audience was 40,000 people. We've been in soccer stadiums that were full. We've seen that, but we've also seen him in Vietnam where it was a few hundred saints. And the same desire to be there, the same eagerness to understand what what the peoples there are dealing with, uh, the same love of the people. I don't think size of congregation has ever meant much, just a desire to be with the people and try to communicate the love of the Lord to them. And we've seen that so many times that it could almost become routine, except for it never feels routine. It always feels like we're witnessing a very special interaction here between the president of the church and members of the church and friends of the church where uh, beautiful moments are expressed. I remember the time in New Zealand where he met with the imams representing the churches in Christchurch that had been bombed. Right. And him reaching out to one of the men who spent a lot of time in the hospital and saying, will you give me the name of your doctor? I want to pray for both of you. Yeah. There are those kinds of moments, large and small, that speak to who President Russell M. Nelson is. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and you hit something so important that it's, uh, of course, the membership of the church, uh, and not just friends of the church, but people all around the world uh, we've seen uh, be touched or feel that love and that energy and that excitement that he brings. Uh, and again, doesn't matter who it is or where mm-hmm. it is. Uh, he does bless the people. Uh, he is a world religious leader that uh, so many great lessons, 97 years. Uh, and I think he's still just uh, let's hope up. there are many more best yet to come. Sherry do. Thanks for joining us. today. My pleasure. Thank you, Boyd. I think that's one of those lessons that uh, stood out for me. Uh, I remember uh, we were in South America uh, following uh, his ministry tour there, and uh, he was asked by someone, was it hard for him to walk away and leave behind his medical practice? And he, he didn't pause for a nanosecond. and <laughs> said, no, uh, when I was uh, called to be an apostle, I walked through the door and shut that door behind me and, and went on to what was next. And that that's such a, a good message. We, we spend so much time around doors. Uh, doors are always dangerous in our, in our personal lives, for sure. Sometimes I see this happen in organizations as well. Uh, you kind of hang around the door, and you're not quite sure you want to go through the door because you're not quite sure you want to leave behind what is behind. Uh, you're not quite sure you're committed to it or that you really want it or that you're ready for it. Uh, sometimes I see people go through the door, but then they kind of just hang out by the door. And sometimes if that's someone who's uh, dealing with an addiction or a challenge of some kind or a bad relationship, they hang around the door and they're constantly going in and out and back and forth. Uh, And that's and that's both exhausting and a recipe for disaster. And so that's to me one of the lessons uh, that I've learned from the life of President Russell M. Nelson is that when you get to a door in your life, go through it, close it behind you and go on to what is next uh, and just keep moving forward. Uh, I love the fact that the older he has gotten, the more future-focused he has become. And uh, if you missed this last segment, uh, Sherry Dew shared with us the fact that last night, President Nelson was downloading a piece of piano music, a piece of sheet music, because he wanted to learn something new uh, at 97. And that perpetual learning 
uh, is such an important part, I think, of both staying young and active and vibrant, uh, but in really making a difference and finding joy and value and meaning uh, in our lives. I think that's so important. Um, we alluded a little bit to the fact that uh, the President Nelson is is extraordinary at, at capturing very small moments, uh, whether that's with uh, an imam uh, in New Zealand. Uh, we talked earlier today about uh, a, a meeting, a large congregation of uh, over 10,000, and as he was getting ready to walk off uh, the stage in the stand, he stopped and went back and personally thanked the guy who was playing the organ and the woman who had been uh, leading the music uh, for that event. And he's always mindful uh, of individuals. And in the midst of all of the rush uh, and all of the the hurry that goes with those kinds of international tours, uh, meeting with heads of state, meeting with political leaders and business leaders and other faith leaders, uh, there's always time uh, and there's always space, and he always notices uh, those individuals, those little things uh, that make all the difference. And, uh, you know, we we remember so many uh, different things along the way. Uh, I remember uh, distinctly being in Fiji and, and hearing this uh, stand. We were at a rugby field, and this uh, crowd at the end of the event began to sing uh, this uh, Fijian a farewell song uh, that if you haven't heard, you should go look it up. It is so powerful. And he, he always, he always recognizes those kinds of moments uh, and just how significant they can be. We've discussed uh, previously on this show how even when he was a, a heart surgeon, when he was really pioneering uh, so many of those things relating uh, to the heart and heart surgery, that he would regularly get together with uh, other doctors who were likewise pioneering, experimenting, uh, doing research, and they would share everything that they had learned. And in today's day where you'd say, well, wait, those, those people are your competitors. You're, you're competing for the same funding, the same resources, the same grants uh, to develop and, and do that research. And his response was always, no, 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 no. They, they weren't my competition. Uh, our competition was death. That's who we were trying to beat. I wasn't trying to beat anyone else to, you know, get a patent or get a, a review in a medical journal or uh, an award of some sort or another. It was all, we were all on the same team. And so this abundance mentality that President Nelson has always had, uh, I think is so important. I think also he he has this style of, of leadership um, that, again, this side-by-side Linking and locking arms is such a, a great visual, again, especially in today's world where so many leaders are trying to get ahead of or above uh, other people. And his is a side-by-side leadership of, of linking and locking arms. And I've, I've seen him do that with heads of state, with leaders from other uh, faith groups and organizations. Uh, and it is just we're in this together uh, feeling that comes through that. And I think it's also important to note that that President Nelson, uh, of course, is a a leader who leads not by by just dictate and mandate, uh, but by invitations. And that's something that we've seen so much uh, over the course of the last three and a half years 
uh, he has invited not just members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but of people around the world to unite in prayer and fasting, to come together and express gratitude in a different way. Uh, he's invited people to, to learn for themselves and a host of other things. And he, he does that because he understands it, uh, because he's lived that and seen the results of what happens when you respond to invitations to do, to take action, to do better, to be better, uh, to look at people a little bit differently. And that you can have, uh, I think, one of his hallmark addresses uh, of, of the love of God and the laws of God, and that those things are in harmony. And so many of those are and discussions. It's not either or. It's this and that. And being able to see people in, in just a little bit different way. And so I think over the course of his 97 years, I think President Russell M. Nelson has really shown not just members of the church that he leads, uh, but people around the world that there is a way to lean in. There's a way to listen better. There's a way to do more, to become more, and to really leave a legacy worth leaving. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources today here on KSL News Radio. And as always, as you go out into the world, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that'll make a difference. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.